Hey friends, this is Mr. Fretz. Um, before I talk about the show that I'm talking about today, ECW One Night Stand 06, it took place on December 3rd, 2006, but December 3rd is not only the anniversary of that awful show, it's the anniversary of a rather tragic day in my life. Uh, Mark Dagan was one of my best friends. Uh, I met him in 2008 on my very first day of class at Emmanuel Bible College, my alma mater, alma mater, sorry. And we hit it off right away. Uh, we became good friends. Um, over the years, his, his apartment away from campus was kind of a place of escape for me, whether I was struggling with personal issues or mental issues or stressing out about exams and papers and homework. He always said, just give me a, give me a shout, come on down to the house and just hang out, de-stress, watch movies, play games, talk it out, whatever. Mark was the kind of guy who would give you the shirt off of his back. And if he could give you the skin off of his as well, he was a generous man for what, you know, little he had. He, well, you know, being in college, you don't get a lot of money. He, he, like me, he came from a small town, actually the small town that's near where I live now. And, you know, whether he was at the drop-in centers or whether he was at the Salvation Army, uh, Mark was always looking out for people who needed it, whether they were poor, whether they were downtrodden and depressed. He was the kind of guy who would uh, be there for anybody. So I want to encourage you all, all who, who are listening to this, and pass it on. Please don't drink and drive. Uh I've lost a couple of friends to drinking and driving over the years. You know, you know, Mark was hit by a drunk driver, and I had a friend of mine who got behind the wheel drunk and passed away. So not only are you putting your own life at risk, you're putting lives at risk of others who are on the road. So, you know, it's the holiday season. Weather's changing. Roads are getting slick. You know, we're starting to have Christmas parties. You know, I just had mine last weekend, which was, well, conveniently enough, at a restaurant right across the street from my apartment. So if I had a lot to drink that night, there wouldn't be far to go. But have a plan. Have a cab, an Uber, a Lyft, whatever you guys have. Have a designated driver, a plan B, C, D, all the way to Z. Don't drink and drive. Please. And just some other quick business. Um, I want to thank everyone who nominated myself, the Fretzelmania podcast, who nominated the Game Changer podcast, and everyone else on Wrestle Addict Radio for Wrestle Hub Podcast Awards. You know, the award show was this past Sunday, December 8th. And while we were nominated for several awards, we didn't walk out with any, but, you know, speaking personally to me, that's okay. Um, I want to congratulate all the winners. Uh, the Lapsed Fan Podcast just stole the show, walked out with a whole bunch. And I'm not in podcasting to win awards, to be recognized, to be famous. I'm in it because I have friends who love wrestling, who love talking about it. And me personally, I like 
this as a as a hobby, as a little side project, a little hustle with uh, with my spare time. And even in the summertime when I don't have a lot of spare time because I work several more hours. Uh, when you live on a beach, specifically one of the top tourist beaches in all of not only Ontario but all of Canada, you get a little busy when all the tourists are here. So it's yeah. Uh, thank everyone for nominating. It's it's awesome to even be thought of that people actually enjoy hearing the sound of my voice. Uh, although, you know, to me, this is a hobby. It also strives like, hey, you know what? Maybe I can try, try to win something next year. So fingers crossed for, for 2020 because, because you never know. Um, I just want to say, you know, Nate, you're a great co-host. Uh, you're an even better friend. Hopefully someday you and I will catch a show somewhere. Maybe I'll fly down to Wisconsin and see something with you. Uh, uh, and everyone else on Kings of the Rings, you know, we got the, I mean, on Westlake Radio. So that means, yes, the Kings of the Rings fourth wall. And, uh, the now and soon to be former shows on Russell Attic Radio, but you're still a part of my network. You're still a part of my friends. And that's a uh, Manson, the gift of podcast that's coming to an end at the end of this year. Uh, you know, Manson is a show, the gift of podcast I have come to really enjoy over the past year or two ish. Ho- however long ago I, I discovered, discovered you, um, hearing you just drive yourself crazy over bad WCW is, in a way, therapeutic, if, if that if that sounds right. Uh, I'm sorry if that sounds kind of twisted, but Bad WCW is funny. And, well, you know, out of morbid curiosity, I might start checking some of this out for myself. Uh, and then there's DFDC, Jeff Pomaccio, the Not Your Mama Soap Opera. Now, this was a, a newcomer onto the show. He was actually nominated for Newcomer of the Year, along with Kate Murphy of Kings of the Rings. You know, Jeff is another a great stand-up guy um, who looked at the entertainment side of, of pro wrestling and drawed comparisons to things like you know Game of Thrones and Harry Potter and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think. Um, well, well, Jeff, I'm sorry. I haven't caught every show. I want to start you know loading them up and start listening to more. And you know, Jeff's got another project coming in the near future, the DFDC show, and I'm really really intrigued because Jeff, not only are you a brilliant young man, you're also a very kind young man and a great friend. And yeah, just thank you everyone to Russell Attic Radio for, yeah, for, for having me on, for including myself and Nate, the effing great. And it's been a great year and cheers to another great year. And you know what? Some, some hardware this time next year would be nice. So now, finally, on to the show.
And now, actually, welcome to the Fretzelmania podcast. I am Mr. Fretz. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Legendary JF. You can find this podcast, F R E T Z L E Mania, on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and here on Anchor.fm, as well as just about every every other podcast platform under the sun, whether it's Breaker or Stitcher or whatever. <laughs> so today, I am talking about ECW One Night Stand 2006. <sighs> yep, it's come to this. It's the holiday season, folks. There's snow on the ground, at least where I live. Uh, my Christmas tree is up. My Christmas shopping is done. My presents are wrapped. And now it's time to wait for a jolly old Saint Nick. Or if you've been naughty in the wrestling universe, Exanta Claus from the South Pole. And if you remember that, well, <laughs> you survived 1995 in the WWE. And those of you who follow me in my in my blogging days on fretzelmania.wordpress.com, you'll know that I rebooked the entire year of 1995 and I'm actually really thinking of bringing that over to to the podcast end of things because that was rough. That was Balls Mahoney, someone who's wrestling on this card. Full circle. Nate, take a shot. So I'm going to set the stage quickly for you. Um, normally when I do retro shows like this, specifically on the 20 Bell Salute, which is coming back in the new year, don't you worry, all three of you who listen to it, <laughs> uh, I like to go in my Wayback Machine and talk about what was going on in the world and in my personal life at the point in time this show was. So to set the stage for you, 2006, I was 22. I was I was living at home with my parents. I was working in a plastic and die-cutting factory. So that means we made things like credit card holders or name tags or wallets or, you know, we made a lot of binders. Uh, you know, I'm, I remember making a binder and index tab set specifically for the Toronto Rock lacrosse team. Uh, you know, we, we, we cut cardboard. Like I remember I was working with a guy that was using this giant guillotine to cut uh, reams of plastic. Uh, I was running an index tab machine, which if you're you're ever in school and you use those little subject tabs, I I made those. Actually, I ran a machine that correlated them into sets, and that's exactly as exciting as it sounds. Ah, tea time, lovely. And I held that job until the following year. I had it for actually three and a half, almost four years. And I held this job until before I went to college. So, anyways, uh, December two thousand six. In songs, well, the number one song was Irreplaceable by Beyonce. And I Want to Love You by Akon and Snoop Dogg. Oh, jeepers. So instead of going through those abominations to music, I'm going to go through to see what were the top 10 tracks in 2006. And this website I'm on, says it's the best musical year of all time. And looking at all these hits, or should, I, or should I say, you know, a word with an S in front of that, 
They're not. So we have How to Save a Life by The Fray. Holy crap. No. Uh, yeah, isn't that the theme song to Grey's Anatomy? Isn't that show still on? Ugh. Next, we have I Write Sins, Not Tragedies by Panic at the Disco. I have no idea what that is. Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake and Timbaland. No. Dirty Little Secret by the All-American Rejects. Eh, okay. I like Gives You Hell. Hips Don't Lie by Shakira and Wyclef Jean. No. Jesus Take the Wheel by Carrie Underwood. Ooh. Man, I'm glad I wasn't listening to... I wasn't listening to Billboard Radio at this time. Uh, this time in 2006, I was a... Um, I was a new Christian. So I was listening to a lot of Christian radio, and Carrie Underwood was on there. Just because it was a song that said, Jesus, take the wheel. Remember, one of my ex-girlfriends actually sang that in church. Looking back, it's kind of cringy. Uh, Feel Good Ink by the Gorillas. Okay, that's cool. I love the Gorillas. That um, animated band, they had that... Uh, I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless. Yeah, whatever. The future is coming on. I forget. Uh, Clint Eastwood, that's the name of that song. Holy crap, that song came out when I was still in high school. And Too Little Too Late by JoJo. Sounds familiar, but it probably sucks. But what doesn't suck is 2006 in video games, specifically December 2006. We saw the release of The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. This was... um. One of the, I think it was one of the last games released on the GameCube. Uh, this was also kind of a launch title for the Nintendo Wii. Of course, this is the the game where Link can transform into a wolf, Wolf Link, so that immediately gives me vibes of Okami from the, I think it was on PlayStation Four, and it was a fantastic game. I remember getting that year, getting that game for Christmas, and I was sick as hell that that day. I don't know if it was a flu or if it was a cold, but I got that game and I just went back up to my room and stayed there for the rest of the day and started playing it because I felt like garbage. Don't think I even had turkey that year. I can't remember. But yeah, that was the, the Wolf Link game. And of course, this was the one that has a really annoying dragging first half where you have to go look for those um, Twilight bug things before you can even proceed into the next part of the chapter uh it, it's hard to describe but it's it's one of my favorite zelda games i mean i i absolutely loved it i i smashed that game a whole bunch of times and i just have memories of playing it that christmas and i yeah i actually did this literally on boxing day the day after i drove to my next small town which at the time was Lindsay, ontario uh shout out if you know where that is um specifically danny you'll know where that is right um yeah, I went to the video game store there, and I bought a strategy guide for it because I thought, well, I'm going to need it, and I didn't know what GameFAQs was in 2006. Shut up. I know. And we also had this this month released uh, SmackDown vs. Raw 2007, uh, Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops for the PSP, Kirby Squeak Squad for the Nintendo DS, uh, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Double Agent, and 
Well, Ape Escape Million Monkeys for the PS2. Bubble Bubble Evolution for the PSP. A bit of a smorgasbord of, of games here. And another one I see here is Shrek Smash and Crash Racing. Huh, that's fun. And in movies, my goodness, we have National Lampoon's Van Wilder Rise of Rise of Taj. Ugh, yikes. Um, Blood Diamond with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Conley. Aragon. Oh, woo. Uh, the Pursuit of Happiness. Will Smith. Okay. Uh, Charlotte's Web. The, you know, the people, not people, but the real animal remake of Charlotte's Web. Rocky Balboa, a.k.a. Rocky Six, but not actually Rocky Six. And We Are Marshall. Yeah, that's a bunch of crap. That is a crappy selection of movies. And I swear it was either that year or the year before or after I went and saw one of the Chronicles of Narnia movies. I thought they were in the theaters at this point in time. Maybe it was like Prince Caspian or The Lion, the Witch, and the Road Ward Robe. I forget which one. I saw all three of them in theaters and they were okay. Now on to the actual show. ECW, December to Dismember. Now, the WWECW era, well, to quote Joey Styles, it sucked. While it did suck, it was interesting. A little intriguing, to say the least. Well, it introduced us wrestling fans, or the WWE universe, if you will, to the likes of Kofi Kingston, Zack Ryder, and CM Punk. It also introduced us to the likes of Ricky Ortiz, DJ Gabriel, and Braden Walker. And it also had kind of a crappy debut. Now, after the wildly popular and successful um, Rise and Fall of ECW DVD, we saw ECW One Night Stand in 2005. And right away, you can tell Vince... Uh, was seeing dollar signs. He's like, oh, everyone still loves ECW. This is good S-word, pal. Uh, he saw the, the, the writing on the sand, and he thought he could do something with this. And then a year later, after the terrible, terrible One Night Stand 2006 show, which was just... Yeah, 06 was kind of a weird year in wrestling. I remember just before this was the Great American Bash and something to do with either Lashley or the Great Khali or both of them couldn't perform because of, and I quote, not you, Michael Cole, elevated liver enzymes. What does that mean? Someone tell me. So ECW was reborn and rebranded. Yay! Under a WWE umbrella. No. And what we got was the ECW on Sci-Fi. Okay, Sci-Fi channel. I don't know what that is. I don't think I actually got this channel. I remember watching it Friday, most Friday nights because it was on at like midnight on, on my thing. I can't remember if it was... Fox or Spike TV, or it might have been actually sci-fi, or it might have been like Sportsnet or TSN. It was weird, but I remember watching it 
almost every week until, well, until I got up to college when I didn't have any cable. So how ECW and sci-fi started was a wrestler by the name of the late Tim Arson dressing up as a zombie and then Sandman coming out and caning the crap out of him. Okay. Oh, I get it. Zombie sci-fi. We, we had a couple of other weird things on here. Like I think one week there was a robot. Someone was dressed as the um, amphibious looking creature in the Godzilla series. Um, not Rodan or Godan or yeah, he, he, he I, I don't know. Look him up. I, I, I don't know this stuff folks. So after months and months of mediocre at best TV, ECW finally had their own pay-per-view for the first time since 2001. Now, I bought the DVD of this for some reason. Uh, my workplace, a grocery store owned by a family, we used to have uh, like this whole pallet of a big box of bargain bin DVDs, kind of like the ones you see at Walmart. We would get them every once in a while, and I'd pull out some half-decent movies from in there, or books, because we we have a book guy. You know, I bought Brock Lesnar's book in that pile. I've bought Goldust's book from that pile. I've bought, you know, Jay Onright, who is a sports broadcaster, Bob McKenzie, who's another one, a uh, bunch of hockey and wrestling books I've bought from that specific bargain bin at work. We still get them. Awesome. Now, the DVD of this, it was five bucks, but it was like 15 bucks too much. And for some reason, on the DVD menu screen was Bodies by Drowning Pool playing on a continuous loop. Well, in a way, this song was synonymous with WCW during the invasion angle. And excuse me, and actually Stephanie McMahon's entrance theme for some reason, and Polly's, I think. It was kind of weird. It was kind of eerie. It was because the singer at the time of the song's recording, Dave Williams. He's been dead since 2002. So it was kind of weird to still hear this on ECW, even though I don't think they used, they really ever used that on TV since. Now to open up this extreme ECW, December to dismember, extreme pay-per-view, is the Hardy Boys versus Eminem. Okay, well, yeah, you were just a couple of weeks or a week or two off of uh, Survivor Series, and you were another week or two away from Armageddon 06. Okay, I get it. And your roster's a little light. I mean, given the rest of the DVD here, there are other guys you could absolutely have used in different roles. We had this. Now... No offense to Hardys and Eminem, they can put on a fantastic match. They're, at this time, and I think even today, even though Joey Mercury's not wrestling, they can put on a great match in their sleep. You know, two young, high-flying teams. You know, Eminem, I think, in a way, kind of reminded me of, dare I say, the new Hardy Boys. And, okay, yeah, they wrestled... I think they opposed each other at Survivor Series, so it makes sense to do it here. But nothing says extreme like Team Extreme, right? 
right? This is where crickets would be chirping. Well, this was before Mercury's face was destroyed by the ladder. And these two could put in a decent match all the time. And it went 22 minutes. And honestly, the match flew by. We saw the usual Eminem uh, high spots and the corkscrew moonsaults and planches and, and whatever. And oh, my earpiece fell out. And Molina's uh, constant screaming. Uh, Hardy Boys won, you know, Twist of Fate, Swanton. Perfect. Great match. If I would melt through this, it'd be a four star match. Or maybe three stars because of Molina's screaming. Please, next time, a lot less Molina screaming. Maybe duct tape her mouth shut or something. And it's really hard to have a bad match with any of these four. So, yeah, okay. And then the middle of this DVD was a ad for the Brian Pillman Loose Cannon DVD. Yeah, he had a couple of he had a brief stint in ECW. I guess that makes you an extreme legend. Remember when Dusty Rhodes was there? How about Psycho Sid? Oh, Scotty Anton, Scotty Riggs from the American Males. Shout out to Scott Cavaliero. Cavaliero. He was there too. And Scott Hall. Are they all extreme legends? Billy Corgan. I'm going to stop going on here. So what next? We have Balls Mahoney versus your teacher, Matt Stryker. In a match contested under Stryker's rules, meaning no gouging of the eyes, no top rope maneuvers, and most importantly, no foul language. So this is where Drew Gulak got his idea from. This he reminds me a lot of Drew Gulak in a way, except Drew Gulak is a far better wrestler than Matt Stryker. So Stryker takes an awful looking back body drop right onto his shoulders, and Santa Claus, I mean Balls Mahoney wins with a sit-down spine buster. That would make the low that would make the low down make D'Lo Brown go sky high. And it's funny, this guy tried to be hip and all that. I had a couple of substitute teachers that used to try and be hip like Matt Stryker, but like him, they just didn't have it. Stryker caught some fire earlier on in the year when he answered Kurt Angle's gold medal challenge months before he debuted. But this Dean Douglas gimmick that he had, it fell flat. This match was such a dud. And Stryker's heat was good, but basic because, you know. Uh, this match was also kind of weird because Balls Mahoney did some actual mat wrestling with Stryker. So who knows? Maybe maybe Balls, uh, he used to do a little bit of amateur in his days. I'm not sure. Uh, who knew he had that in him? Still, it was bad. And next... We see a backstage skit. Sabu is down. And the Extreme Elimination Chamber match is canceled. I mean, it should be. Fans are rightly chanting BS as he was booked to be in this match and apparently isn't now. To WWE, he was a stuntman, a hard bump taker, and apparently, quote-unquote, useless. So why not put him in a type of match that allows him to showcase said stunts and bumps? Why? I mean, th this was baffling that he wasn't in this match. Maybe he was hurt. 
Maybe this was punishment from months before with uh, getting busted with RVD after RVD won the WWE title thing. Now, he had a mixed reputation backstage, whether he was uninterested or bitter or whatever. He's replaced by Hardcore Holly. Why? Now, I'm a big Bob Holly fan. I loved him back in the day. I have been since he was Thurman's Sparky Plug. There was something about him. I liked him, but putting him in here to substitute to substitute uh, Sabu for no reason was utterly stupid. Next up, we had Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai versus the full-blooded Italians, Nunzio and Tony Mamaluke with Trinity. Now, I thought, I forgot, I'm sorry, I forgot that Mamaluke and Trinity were even in the WWE ECW. Of course, Trinity was previously in TNA, taking taking bumps with the men, wrestling with the dudes, in a kind of modern-day Jacqueline role, like how Jacqueline used to do the same in USWA and WCW. She wrestled a few of the guys in WWE, but I think that was literally only Chavo Guerrero, Chavo Sr., and Harvey Whippleman. Now, Burke cuts a really strange promo saying that him and Turkai are like wild animals in heat making their mark. Okay, so they're going to pee all over the mat in an attempt to get laid? Okay, so Burkai, as I'm now going to call them, come out to literally no reaction, which is kind of a shame because Elijah Burke, you know, Pope Julio De Niro, had the gift of the gab and was a pretty good worker as well. But Turkai was just... Boring, untalented, uncoordinated. I think he was better off in MMA. I think he has an MMA background. So Burke and Nunzio have some great exchanges, and I can only imagine a singles match that they'd be able to put on, you know, throw in super crazy, and you kind of get a modern-day classic three-way dance that Nunzio used to have as little Guido with, you know, super crazy and Tajiri. Turkai plays the power game, tossing everyone around Braun Strowman style, except, you know, not as good as Braun. Eventually, Burke hits the Elijah experience, the scroll clushing finale, or the stroke, on Nunzio for the win, and then at the end of the match, Turkay hits a muscle buster for no reason, and the fans start chanting TNA because Samoa Joe, you know, was there at the time. If I were to melt through this, zero stars. A basic tag match that is more suitable for an ECW taping, not a pay-per-view. And another match that is exactly like this is Tommy Dreamer versus Davari with a great Kali. Oh, great. Two Middle Eastern people who are heels for no reason. We want hardcore chants. Unfortunately, you're not getting them. And why is Tommy Dreamer not in the Extreme Elimination Chamber match? So Dreamer goes up, he fires up, he goes for a DDT, but then, you know, Tavari rolls, rolls him up for the tights, for the win. What the heck? Kali chokeslams Dreamer on the steel ramp for no reason. Dud. And the mic on the ringside picks up a fan shouting, this isn't extreme, this is entertainment. Very poignant. Next we have, oh boy. I'm going to take a commercial break here, folks. Uh, You're going to hear about the rest of the show in just a moment. Stay tuned. 
And here we are. Mike Knox and Kelly Kelly. Agent Cooper, I said Kelly Kelly. That one's for you. Versus Kevin Thorne and Ariel. I am not even going in depth here. Dud, dud, dud. The camera is going all over Ariel's fake breasts and going right up her butt, right up her skirt with the gratuitous thong shots with the foot choke. How subtle. So the brood, I mean, the vampire club or whatever the heck you want to call them. The new brood. Nope, that's taken. The new, the newer, yeah, the newer brood wins after Knox walks out on Kelly Kelly. Why? No reason. Ariel just hits a move and wins. And then Sandman comes out and canes the crap out of Thorn. Did I say this was a dud? And why isn't the Sandman in the Extreme Elimination Chamber match? Oh, and speak of the devil itself. That, that is the next match. That is the main event. It's a short show. It's only like two hours and five minutes. My goodness. This is, this is an ECW taping. So we have ECW champion, the big show defending against Bobby Lashley test, Rob Van Dam, hardcore Holly and CM Punk. Now there are two, or arguably three people I would immediately remove from this match if I were to fantasy rebook it. So Lashley, Test, Holly, you're gone. Dreamer, Sandman, Sabu, you're in. Because what's extreme about Bobby Lashley other than his extremely bad feud with uh, Rusev lately? Ugh. So... Each punk here contains a weapon of some kind. That's a neat premise, but poor execution. And Paul Heyman comes out to cut the most ironic promo of all time. It's like rain on your wedding day. It's a free ride when you've already paid. It's good advice that you just didn't take. And who would have thought it figures? Traffic jam when you're already late oh sorry alanis uh jagged little pill all these years later and that album is still in my head holy crap you've already won me over in spite of me Oof, i'm gonna keep singing alanis if i don't stop so yeah this ironic promo about ecw being a global phenomenon which is well, as I said, ironic, because he quits right after this pay-per-view airs. So does Big Show. This is his last appearance until early 2008, when he was starting a feud with Floyd Mayweather. Yes, that was a thing. Uh, it was a weird thing. It was actually okay. I mean, it was better than Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman and Kane Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar. Oh, man. What a year 2019 is, eh? We're almost there, folks. This is the 10th I'm recording this on. 21 more days. Let's go. Until the next decade. Holy crap. So, Big Show, he was looking pretty bad here. He was overweight. He was gassed. 
He was tired. I mean, he was he was a blob. And I'm, I'm I shouldn't be saying that because I'm a fat guy too. But this guy was out of shape, and he had to get out. He had to do something before his health took a turn for the worse. And luckily, he's in great shape now. Uh, I met him at Comic-Con last year, and he not only is he like two of me, I'm like basically up to his crotch, he is shredded with a capital sh and a capital redded. Big time. So he needed a break. He was being booked as this unstoppable monster, but he looked every bit like one. And as is tradition in ECW, this match immediately turns into a schmaz, utilizing the weapons and the chamber itself as, as a weapon. RVD gets leg dropped onto a chair by Punk and gets cut. Who knows? Bladed hard way. Who cares? Punk throws his RVD's face into the corner chair, you know, the Irish whip into the chair spot, into a brutal-looking spot because Van Damme can fold it like an accordion and make any spot look vicious. I mean, look at his feud with, with Randy Orton and that spike DDT that he took. I mean, RVD can he can bounce around. like Guys like him, Ziggler, HBK, they must have went to the same bumping class. Punk is the first one eliminated, and I'm already uninterested. I'm already done. I'm already saying F this. Uh, fantasy, fan, My fantasy rebooking here would have had you know Punk win the ECW title. Unfortunately, it took another year after this before he actually did. So Tess hits Hardcore Holly with a sloppy big boot, bringing back some of their classic, not classic, Hardcore title matches from the early aughts. RVD claims to the top of Big Show's pod to do a five-star frog splash. Say that five times fast. But the Big Show grabs his ankle. Tess grabs him by the ponytail, throws him off of the pod, and then climbs the pod itself and hits a classic vintage test-flying elbow with a chair on RVD, a chair-assisted test-flying elbow onto RVD, and he's gone. So am I. This is crap. Lashley enters the match and is stopped by these SWAT team-looking folks who lock him into the pod. Oh, look. A convenient table is here. And Bobo uses it to break the chains and comes out of the top of the pod. Tess eats a spear and is eliminated. And Bob has to wait a whole minute for the big show to end the match. So he's sitting there twiddling his thumbs, you know, like Homer when he was waiting for uh, this rocket to hit a comet that was heading towards Springfield. All the while, they're still going, do, 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 do. So, yeah, they both grab a weapon. Show with a barbed wire bat and Bobo with a chair. They play swords with the weapons. Bob gets the advantage. Spear Lashley wins the ECW title. Wow, it's it's over. Yeah, this match was long, but yeah, it felt even. It felt like it was three hours long. It was garbage. Uh, it's a neat twist of mixing 
extreme stuff and weapons and whatnot with the chamber, kind of like an asylum match. The Amber, dare I say, the Ambrose Asylum match, cool premise, poor execution. It fell flat. It fell so flat. Like Sabu, Dreamer, and Sandman should have been in this match. It could have been a true ECW versus Big Show moment or a true ECW versus New Breed moment, which I think we got at WrestleMania either that year or the year after. So, <clears throat> this pay-per-view sucked. It's overall a dud, and I think it's possibly the worst pay-per-view under the WWE banner. And I think it would even take the crown jewel ha, from the Saudi shows. Something I'm never going to rewatch again. That DVD is just going to sit on my shelf, and maybe someday if I meet a wrestler who's on there, if I present it to him to sign, maybe I'll get uh, uh, maybe I'll get a little bit of a chin music from somebody from it. So, and I'm not going to rebook it. Um, uh, my good friend Nate the Effing Great, my co-host, he actually reviewed it, reviewed it on his um, Spreaker.com feed. So if you go into his archives, it's it's there somewhere. Uh, this is from my blog that I'm reading off of, and it was over a year ago. So it's it's good. It's going to be an old show. So I want to thank everybody for listening to the Fretzelmania podcast, the Game Changer podcast, WrestleAttic Radio. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. God bless you all, folks. Follow me on Twitter at the Legendary JF. Follow at WrestleAddict Radio. At addict underscore wrestle, my co-host at real f and game, and stay tuned for the new year. Uh, next week we'll have another game changer podcast. And then I think we will the week after. Then I take a Christmas break, and and in the new year, hey, they say new year, new me, but hey, it's new year, same frets, just new content. So thanks again. Peace out. <laughs>